0: American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more information, go to Queen So now I'm American, American timeline. I mean, and
1: I am Marky Post, nope. former nope nope star of TV's Night Court.
0: That's Joe.
1: I'm Marky Post,
0: and this is the American pop culture history okay. podcast that I'm... brings you. An exciting nostalgic exciting. events nostalgic. from pop culture history, history year by year. And year by year. this is part three of nineteen seventy three.
1: That's right. My name is actually Joe. It's not Marky Post. I was I was trying to pull the wool over, is what I was trying to you do right. to, to the listeners. I like to kid the listeners. It wasn't even a good one. It wasn't? Marky Post? Yeah. No, it wasn't a good one. I just it wasn't a good one at all. You know, I had one already and set up and then I wasn't ready to start the podcast yet, so mm-hmm. I just I just went with the old standby, Marquee Post, from, yep. which so is a ladies. what's lady, the first see.
0: thing that we're going to talk about?
1: Well, this is the third episode of 1973. We're just spreading this. We just love 1973, apparently, because we're spreading out to three eps. Can I say eps?
0: If you want. You sound like a dipshit. Oh,
1: yeah. Well, cool. Jazz. I swing an ep in my Jeep. All right. Know what I'm
0: saying? All righty. Not me. You're a white person.
1: You take that back.
0: Okay, what's first?
1: Well, we're gonna start with a movie, and this we're gonna do something different. This episode, we have a special guest, um, a special movie expert nerd guest that we he loves birds. Yeah, he loves birds and movies, and he has red cheeks, and he loves beer, and he has like giant mittens for hands. But if you've ever, um, if you if you're a loyal listener, if you listen, listen to uh, every episode, then you've heard us maybe uh, talk about him occasionally. Um, the things we've said about him is when he. Uh, he texts me every time an episode comes out to either uh, talk about the movies that we've mentioned and, and to basically be a know-it-all. But, oh, yeah, I've seen that movie 15 times. I know more about it than you. <laughs> uh, and he also is the guy we talked about one year when we talked about how pricey VHS tapes were oh, when first we, came Oh, and
0: we, we thought, oh, my God, he must have spent hundreds. Yeah,
1: because he's he known for having every movie. Like, if you ever want to borrow a movie, just go to Muppet's house. And Muppet, did I already say his name was Muppet? No, No. just just now. So this is what his name is. Uh, And you'd go to his house, and he would have every VHS, and you'd borrow it. He was like a video store. And then it it was real sad when DVDs came out, and VHS was officially gone. Like, we're like, what is that poor guy going (laughs) to do? And so he did the same thing with DVDs. He did a million DVDs, and then Blu-rays came out. And now he's like... Ah, Fuck all this collection shit. So now he just—I'm uh, not sure what he does, but
0: um, we'll have to ask him when he yeah, we'll appears.
1: Ask him. He's going to be our guest today, and so he's standing by, and we're just going to splice him in when uh, we get to that. So in this first one, we'll just go right ahead, and uh, it's uh, the third highest-grossing movie of 1973, was American Graffiti.
0: Okay, I get that one confused with the Last Picture Show. Uh,
1: what? I Why?
0: Get, I get that movie and the Last Picture Show confused.
1: I don't I'm not sure what the last picture show is.
0: I You're not talking about Rocky
1: Horror Picture no, Show.
0: No, I'm talking about the last picture show. Which one has Sybil Shepherd? Um or that's a
1: Sybil Shepherd is in
0: the last picture show, I think.
1: I think she might be in this too.
0: See, this is when Muppet is needs the, to be is, yeah, here. And we'll with yeah, we'll ask
1: us. him. We'll ask him. We'll bring him in here and we'll ask him. Um but this is, uh, this is the one with Richie Cunningham. Yes. Remember, it looks just like Grease. But this one is an American coming-of-age comedy film directed and co-written by George Lucas, starring Richard Dreyfuss, Ron Howard, Paul Lamont, Harrison Ford, Charles Martin Smith, Cindy Williams. Remember, it? We, yeah. remember we saw we, we Shirley saw, from Laverne mm-hmm. and Shirley making out with Richie Cunningham? Opie Cunningham, as they call him. Candy Clark, Mackenzie Phillips. Bo Hopkins and Wolfman Jack. Oh my we God. And uh, Suzanne Somers and Joe Spano also appear in the film. So we watched the trailer to this.
0: That's a lot of stars. Yeah, of and Amy time. saw
1: yeah, Shirley making out with Ron Howard. She was like, oh, is this is this where they got the idea for uh, Laverne and Shirley and Happy Days? it Was it like a tie to this at yeah. all? And I said, I have no idea. But we'll, that's what we'll ask Muppet when he oh, gets on. Oh, I thought on. maybe
0: you had researched it.
1: No, I didn't. Okay. And Muppet's my research. I'm oh, bringing okay. him on. We'll ask him all these questions. And and whether he knows or not, uh, we're going to just go with whatever he says is right. It's set in Modesto, California in 1962. The film was a study of the cruising and rock and roll cultures popular among the post-World War II baby boom generation. The film was told in a series of vignettes telling the story of a group of teenagers and their adventures over a single night. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome
0: Muppet.
2: Hello.
0: There's Muppet. There's a sexy Muppet voice. Hello, sexy.
1: Hey.
2: Muppet.
1: Well, Muppet. Oh, yeah. uh, the third highest grossing movie of 1973, Muppet. Are you familiar? At uh, the top of your head?
2: Uh, <laughs> Dirty Mary Crazy Larry.
1: No. Oh. On Saturday, August 11th, 1973, American Graffiti was released in the U.S.
0: Oh. And I was saying, I. Um, Always get this mixed up with the last picture show in my mind, and I don't know why.
2: I can kind of see it, it's that uh, they're both about like, high school people, uh, 50s and that, beginning their new lives.
0: True. Which one had Sybil Shepherd in it?
2: Last picture show.
1: Okay, yes, yeah, so not this one, dummy. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, so we went through the stars of this one and we watched the trailer like we've been in other ones, and uh. We kind of – it led us to a stupid question that we'll just go ahead and just have you answer for us. Yeah. Since you're the Sweet. expert, the nerdy movie yeah. expert. Um, Nerd. Does that be we, – we watched the scene where uh, Cindy Williams, who we all know is uh, the lovely and talented Shirley, I'm Laverne and Shirley, uh, making out yeah. with Ron Howard. Uh oh, hot. And so Amy Amy's <laughs> question was, well, does this is this tied into <laughs> – Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, some way like is it?
0: Is that how they got the idea or something for Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley? Uh, it is
2: tied to Happy Days. Like, Happy Days isn't exactly a continuation, but it's sort of like um, kind of like the way Friday Night Lights, the show and the movie are.
1: Oh, really? That so, close. What? Anyway, there's no uh, Richie Cunningham uh, in the American in the... Graffiti.
2: No, but Richie Cunningham and Ron
1: Howard in the movie are like.
2: Kind of basically the same character. You're
1: kind of the same. Well, who's, yeah. who's Chachi then? Chachi came later. Unfortunately, uh, there is the Chachi. Harrison Ford's not Chachi. Uh, God, I wish. Who's the Pat Morita character?
2: <laughs> um, probably Cindy Williams. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about Laverne? Who plays Laverne? Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> there you go. Now, now in, in real life, Laverne and Shirley is a spinoff of
0: Happy Days, right?
2: Uh, Yeah, I believe it is. Yeah,
0: I think so, too. I don't know
2: how they're related exactly.
0: I think they they lived up the street or something, I want to say.
1: I think Cindy Williams banged Richie. I mean, I think Laverne, I mean, Shirley banged Richie, I think.
0: I think you might be right.
1: So in the, it's weird in the universe of
2: Happy Days that aliens exist.
1: Oh, yeah, because Mork, right?
0: Yeah. Oh, is that another? Is that spinoff? Yeah.
2: Off? Yeah. Wait, Mort. I'm
1: wait. No, no. Nope, nope, I'm confusing
2: shows. I'm confusing Pam Dauber and Cindy Williams. I apologize. Oh, I'm are, just right? gonna say.
0: No, I because, think. No, no. No, I, they can't be because Mork and Mindy was c- c- modern day, not fifties, dummy. Are you sure? Mork, and, Mork Mindy. and Mindy did not take place in the 50s. She had a Jeep, for Christ's sake. They had Jeeps in the 50s? No, they didn't. Not those kinds. Yeah, they had, they had Jeeps in the 50s. Just in the Army. See,
1: Jeep in the 50s. Boom, I got something. Just in the idea.
0: Army. Mork and Mindy is a
1: spinoff of something, though. I'm I'm pretty sure that he showed up with that giant egg with
0: Jonathan Winter. No, he did not. On in, Happy Days. No, that did not happen on Happy Days. Oh,
1: it's on something. Anyway, okay. Are, <laughs> <is> there <laughs> with anything Jonathan else? Winter. Is there anything else about American Graffiti you need to tell us, Mups? Um, Wolfman Jack's in it. Wolfman Jack, yeah. Suzanne. Is Summers. it good? Is it any good? Uh, it's pretty
2: good. It's it's more of a nostalgia piece for people who grew up in the fifties. Like yeah. I,
1: like the big chill.
2: I I, I kind of like Days and Confused better just because it's closer. Even though I wasn't in, in high school in the seventies, it's kind of closer to what I knew.
1: One thing I think about American Graffiti, I'll just say it is: I think it's one of these movies that's you're supposed to like. Movie fans are supposed to love it, so they just do. But it's not that good. I watched it. I didn't think it was that good. Yeah. It was dumb.
2: Yeah, I, um, I think it was probably good in its time, but it doesn't speak to our generation as much.
1: And I don't like Harrison Ford not without a whip and without a Harrison a Ford gun. was in it? I did not remember that. Harrison Ford's that. in it, and he's not even dressed like Indiana Jones. Well, the course not.
0: Yeah. And he's not wearing a vest. Gross.
1: Like, that dude should either wear a vest or a hat, a fedora, and that's it. All right. Okay, next movie. Next movie. Okay, we're going to move on to Friday, December 19th, 1970. No, Friday, October 19th, 1973. Mm-hmm. The, fifth, the fifth top grossing movie of 1973. You want to give it a guess there, Mups? Uh,
2: the Conversation.
1: The Way We Were. Oh, yeah, I never saw that. You Ooh. never saw The Way We Were? <laughs> nope. Well, it, it's a, <laughs> That's n- a shock. Oh, well, let me school you a little bit on some movies, you bitch. I mean, As much as I love Barbara Streisand, at all. <laughs> How many Barbara Streisand movies have you seen?
0: At least you knew that. Like, if somebody would, if, if I hadn't seen the trailer, it, I would never know that Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford were in this. I would not. Um, I just I know. I have never that I've seen a single Barbra Streisand. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> so my friend Don
1: McAllister, who you met at the pub crawl, was going to be very upset. Be with very
0: you. upset. He is a huge well, Barbara
1: Streisand fan. Me and him will get together and we'll watch Gentle. Yeah, he loves well, it. Out of
0: all the Barbara Streisand, you're going to pick that.
1: <laughs> you know what he really loves, too, is when you when you call it lentil and you, you tell him you think it's about soup. He really likes that, too. <laughs> all right, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> this is a romantic drama film starring Barbara Streisand and Robert Redford, directed by Sidney Pollack. Um, uh, Arthur Lawrence wrote both a novel and a screenplay based on his college days at Cornell University and his experiences with the house un American Activities Committee,
0: uh, like 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 the communism yeah. hunt.
1: Yeah, the hunt for com- yeah. It t- it they commented t- on that stuff. Yeah, oh. and they they cut a lot of it out. Barbara Streisand was upset by that. But the big thing about this movie is,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was James Woods' first film. He's an ass.
2: Uh-huh. and James Woods is not
1: racist or sexist at That's, all. Geez. James Woods is human garbage. Yeah. But but this was <laughs> not. <laughs> This was not the first one to be released, though.
0: Isn't this it amazing that he has a career with all those kind of opinions out there in Hollywood? You would think that people would...
1: Well, especially he, that he's not a very good actor. Like, right. He kind of I mean,
0: I'm surprised he's had a career that he's had, being was, that kind of personality. Well, it's his looks. Oh, my God. <laughs> it can't be that He's good. great on The
2: Simpsons.
1: And did you know Muppet, Tuesday, November 20th, this isn't a movie, but on Tuesday, November 20th, 1973, a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving aired for the first time on CBS. Really, and it and it won an Emmy the following year.
0: That one was yeah. old, newer than the others, I think. Right? I think the Charlie Brown Christmas one and the Halloween one were from the '60s, I want to say.
1: Really, you think?
0: I think so, and I think that if you th- if you if you look at them side by side, the Thanksgiving one does look newer. Like it, it almost sounds like the voices might be different people too.
1: All right. Saturday, December 8th, 1973. This movie is on the list not for being one of the top grossing, not for winning an Oscar, but because this movie is the first movie to use digital image processing in okay. 1973. Hmm. Any idea what that is, Mupps? Westworld. Yes. Oh, wow. You are correct. I never Boy, even heard is, of that this, movie. This is why we have him on here. So. Not only did I not even know this movie ever existed, but yeah. this is this is the idea of the, you know HBO's The Westworld.
0: Oh, this is the movie that it yeah, was, was based a, on? Yeah, that was copied off of this movie. That was a weird show. I only, We only watched two episodes, I it think. It was of that. getting
1: weird, but... Uh, it was bizarre. Wh- what do you got to say about this movie, Mups? Uh,
2: it's not bad for like a 70s B-movie. It's kind of fun. Um, if you saw the first episode of the HBO show, then that's sort of just what the original movie is. It's just... Two guys go there and comport around with robots and then Yule Brenner starts killing everybody.
1: <laughs> oh wow. Well did you know that uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger used Yule Brenner's performance as the basis of his performance in the Terminator? Oh really? I feel like I read that somewhere, but I'm gonna pretend I don't know it. Wow, that's interesting. It was on <laughs> <laughs> it was on IMDb. Well, that was Westworld, which I kind of want to see that, just because I didn't know that even existed. Um, Yeah, it's like a good Sunday afternoon movie. Like, you're just kind of napping on the couch. That's where
0: a lot of these movies are.
1: Well, director John Carpenter also based the indestructible nature of his killer Michael Myers in Halloween on Yule Brenner's character in this film.
0: Oh, Oh, that ties into the fact
2: that
1: the new Halloween movie just came out. Yeah, just Oh, did they just do a new one? Yeah, they read it. Did they redo it? What's the deal with the new movie? No, the new one, it it picks up like
2: 40, 50 years after the first one and ignores all the sequels and just, uh, it's a sequel directly to the first Halloween.
1: Oh, really?
0: So 50 Mm -hmm. years later, we're expected to believe that this guy is still this unstoppable killing machine? I mean, Jamie
2: the Curtis is in it,
1: so. Yeah, I don't know if I'd buy it. Is she eating Activia in it? Oh, probably. Activia. Um, Okay. The next movie was on Sunday, December 16th, 1973, was released. This is the fourth highest grossing movie of 1973. Do you want to guess? Uh, The Sting? Nope. This one starts with a P. With a P. Directed by Franklin Schaffner. Oh, Patton. Nope. Oh no! And that was a few years earlier. I think we covered that already. This is a... Oh, you
2: did cover that. I don't listen to your podcast. This is... Hey, you
1: asshole! Hey. It's <laughs> a historical period drama prison film.
0: Oh, Papillon. Yes.
1: Papillon.
0: That's right. I have, I've seen this. It's, is it about Escape from Alcatraz?
1: Well, there's a new movie. There's a newer version.
0: Well, I've seen the Steve yeah, McQueen. Yeah, they
1: remade it. This is the
0: I've seen the Steve McQueen version, but um, isn't it about Escaping from Alcatraz?
2: Well, it's escaping from Devil's Island in South America. Oh, okay. But yeah, so it's
1: person a person escape movie. Okay. It was based on the 1969 autobiography by the French convict Henri Charrière. Anyway, it stars Steve McQueen plays the title character and Dustin Hoffman as Louis Louis Dega. Anyway, the film's title is French for butterfly, referring to Charrière's tattoo of a butterfly and his nickname. Do you have anything to say about this movie? Mupp's. Uh No, no, that's another one I haven't seen actually. What?
0: What? I oh, saw God. a movie you haven't seen. I think that's a first ever, probably. Are, are you
1: sure you saw this?
0: Yes, I did. Oh, okay. I did see it. It was on. It was like Muppet was saying it was a Sunday on TV. I'm just saying. When this I was little, that
1: we found two movies that Muppet doesn't know because he's the. I was just pumping you up as the guy who's seen every single movie and has owned every single movie. You got some homework to do, Mister. That's right. Well, you know, I hate
0: 1973. With my <laughs> we had you on the one year the you The one hate. year
1: you hate. Well, while shooting in Jamaica, Dustin Hoffman met Sir Paul McCartney, who was vacationing in Montego Bay. And one evening, Hoffman invited McCartney to dinner and challenged him to write a song about anything.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And since painter Pablo Picasso had just died, Hoffman requested that McCartney compose a song about Picasso's dying words. Drink to me, drink to my health, you know I can't drink anymore. McCartney created a demo on the spot, and the song Picasso's Last Words, Drink to Me, appeared on Wings' 1973 album, Band on the Run. Too bad Wings sucked. Yeah, Yeah, Wings is kind of the worst. It is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They are the worst. Um, Here's some other things. Dustin Hoffman became angry and uncooperative for some time on set after he discovered that, although he and Steve McQueen would receive equal billing, he was actually making $750,000 less than his co-star. Boom. Oh, burn. Yeah. And although many consider this Steve McQueen's best performance to date, he was overlooked by the Academy. Some say that was because McQueen had stolen Ally McGraw, Mm. who became a second wife, from her husband, Robert Evans, who was a powerful studio executive at the time. Boom. McQueen was also rumored to have slept with many other Hollywood wives.
0: Yeah, I think he was crawling with VD. Yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, you could, you, could, you could bottle the VD off of that guy. Yep. And sell it. <laughs> Bottles of VD for sale. It's 1973. <laughs> Pretty much. I'd like a bottle of VD and some Jolt Cola. Okay, on to the next movie. Tuesday, All right. Tuesday, December 25th. That's Christmas Day of yes. 1973. Now we're at the the number one movie of the year of 1973, the number one highest grossing. Okay. You know, I guess that, Mups?
3: Uh,
2: God, if it's Christmas Day, I really want it to be The Exorcist.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: yeah uh, that didn't come out till the day after Christmas, you idiot. This is The Sting, which you guessed before. Uh, it is, yeah, The Sting. What do you got to tell us about The Sting?
2: Uh, it's the second and last pairing of Paul Newman and Robert Redford. I really? love The
1: Sting. I
0: think it's a great movie. Yeah, it's good. You're
1: I like it. it? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. It looked, It does look good. I will say, out of all these 70s trailers we've watched, I really mm-hmm. wanted to see this. So this is a 1973 yeah. American caper film. Set in nineteen thirty six involving a complicated plot by two professional grifters, mm-hmm. as Mupp said, Paul Newman and Robert Redford, to con a mob boss, Robert Shaw. During filming, Robert Redford was recovering from a broken right thumb sustained in a skiing accident a few months before. And he was supposed to be wearing a cast. Numerous times in the film he uses his right hand oddly to avoid using the thumb, such as holding a fork with four fingers but not the thumb. Oh so now you got some go, work for, yeah.
0: Holding the fork with four fingers, but not the thumb. But
1: not his thumb. His thumb must be out like this. So if you notice that, that's why.
0: Oh, he's gripping it like in his fist?
1: I guess. Here you go. Robert Redford, he didn't see this movie until June 2004. What? What? <laughs> yeah. And he was forced at gunpoint to watch it. No, he was not. Well, you so making that, shit up. That part I'm making up. But uh, yeah, so he what? didn't,
0: he didn't what? see it. Why he, wouldn't you go see her movie? Because he's Robert fucking
1: Redford. He'd do whatever he wants. Well,
0: he was. Yeah, it was like
1: Best Picture that year. Why did he just, like, nah? Yeah. I don't know he it. was King okay. shit in the 70s, though. He
0: probably didn't give a shit. He, probably he was probably banging. King shit of Diamond something. He was
1: banging chicks. Mountain. How many chicks do you think he banged? I don't know. Do you think he banged any dudes?
0: Maybe. Do you think he helped Paul he's Newman a good looking man up. back then?
1: Yeah, all the ladies still talk about how. Oh, and Paul I Newman was a good
0: looking man back they're then.
1: They're both good looking dudes. Uh, the movie was filmed on the back lot of Universal Studios and the diner in which Hooker meets Lonegan is the same diner interior used <laughs> Computer disc. in Back to the Future, in which Mar- oh. Marty McFly first meets his father and calls Doc Brown.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Uh that diner's in another movie, too, and I can't remember now. Oh, that. come and on. It, come through for us, mups. It might be, it
2: might be this dumbass movie called... City Heat with Burt Reynolds and Clint Eastwood. <laughs>
0: oh, that sounds terrible.
1: <laughs> I oh I, I didn't know those two were in a
2: movie together. Yeah, it's like the only time they were in a movie together and everyone was like, oh, great, good job, guys. Isn't Clint Eastwood supposed
0: to be a big prick, too? Yeah,
2: he seems like it.
1: Well, and the, the last thing about The Sting is many characters are seen drinking Schlitz beer during the film. Yes. Okay. Schlitz, Schlitz. Schlitz was the largest beer company in the world during the 1930s. Oh, was it really? Yep, and now Schlitz is just a joke.
0: Yep, <laughs> it is. Is it even out anymore? They don't have Schlitz anymore, do they?
2: Yeah, they do. Um, they tried, They brought back the original formula because Schlitz <laughs> tasted like garbage.
0: They brought the original formula because it was so good to begin with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: it
1: taste like gar- well, I remember seeing Schlitz Dark, and I couldn't believe that existed. Oh, Schlitz, Schlitz Dark?
0: Yeah. What'd they do? Just pour some Coke? syrup in it and or something?
1: I don't know. They make a Schlitz dark. but uh, And I had Schlitz uh, flights for my darts once. But yeah, I love that. What? You see, the other thing Mupps knows all about Schlitz is beer. flight. So I'm glad I brought up Schlitz. Flights for my darts. You know, you put flights Oh, in those things. I yeah. thought
0: you were talking about like a flight of beers and you, you got Schlitz. I would not get Schlitz. A flight of Schlitz, Schlitz beers. <laughs> <yet>. Unless I <laughs> wanted
1: to compare diarrhea to something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Schlitz diarrhea beer. Okay, now um, oh, I have one Wait, more thing about yeah.
2: the state. Yeah, what? Um, they shot Exteriors in, in Chicago, and there's one chase scene where I think it's Robert Redford is running on one of the Green Line platforms.
1: Really? Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. That's kind of cool. How often do you take the Green Line there in Chicago? Uh, sorry, what? How how often do you take the Green Line? Uh, never. Yeah, I was going to
0: say, <laughs> I don't remember ever. I don't think I ever set foot on a Green Line. Wait, is that the one that goes out to O'Hare?
1: No, that's a blue line. All right, so now the movie that came out on Wednesday, December 26th, 1973.
0: The Exorcist. No, wait, that's That's Halloween.
1: Halloween. That's Halloween. (laughs) The
0: Exorcist is... um, Fool, you fool. Wait a minute, stop. What's The Exorcist, Muppet? Uh,
2: It's going to sound weird doing it over the phone, but...
0: That's right. That sounds like super password to me. It's scarier when that sounds like
1: a game show.
0: No, it doesn't when it's real. All
1: right, what do you guys? Well, I'll just let you guys talk about this because Amy's a big horror film lover.
0: Well, this is really a scary fucking movie. Like, yeah, I don't even think it's weird because. I don't believe in the devil, but it, it stands up. There's something about it that is so, like, punchy in the gut. and it, Yeah, it just... Oh, sorry, go on. No, no, no. I was going to ask you what you think because, because it, it's, like, so creepy and scary. And even though, like, I don't know, it doesn't... Even though some of the special effects might look kind of cheesy now, it doesn't take away from it at all.
2: Yeah, like, it just, it's just really good at building up this just feeling of dread. Even in, like, the first half where nothing scary is happening, it's just weird shots of, like, the nuns walking down the street with their habits blowing. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, and even like everything it just builds so gradually, like, with the mm-hmm. lights flickering, and then there's the sounds in the attic, and then, like, oh, she pees on the carpet that one time, and just, like, oh, yeah. it it goes so gradually, the tension, it's like somebody's stringing a fiddle with attention i don't know what that means but uh i was trying to think of a, a, a metaphor but i guess i can't
1: i know i didn't see this movie until that the they you, re-released it in the theaters when we were all adults
0: in chicago and in chicago, we went to the biograph
1: you made me, you made me see it, but that was the first time from what correct me if i'm wrong both of you but that was the first time they actually included that scene where she walks down the stairs down the stairs yeah yeah that wasn't in the original right um um, and I, I didn't like it, but I don't like this kind of stuff. But you hate horror I, movies. I hate horror movies because I don't understand why you would pay to to just feel on edge. Like, it's just, uh, it's just gross. I want to take a shower and get away from it and forget it ever happened.
0: Uh, <laughs> Jeez, ringing endorsement. But, then, <laughs> but I
1: love this. This is a great movie. I want to take a shower and forget it ever happened. Uh, this is, let's see. If, There's uh, a
0: lot of crazy shit that got, happened with yeah, this.
1: I got a couple of the bullet points that I thought I were I could have had this for
0: my story. Were
1: interesting, But the original teaser trailer, which consisted of nothing but images of the white-faced demon quickly flashing in and out of yep. darkness, yep. was banned in many theaters as it was deemed too frightening. Yep. So I think that was cool. Uh, upon its initial theatrical release, the film affected many audiences so strongly That at many theaters, paramedics were called to treat people who fainted and others who went into hysterics. Is it true? Yes. Listen to this. Listen to the rest of this. Um, A filmgoer who saw the movie in 1974 during its original release fainted and broke his jaw on the seat in front of him. Jesus
3: Christ.
1: He then, su- he then sued Warner Brothers and the filmmakers, claiming that the use of subliminal imagery in the film had caused him to pass out. So wait a minute. And the studio settled How do out of you court. break
0: your jaw? You're sitting down, <laughs> and you faint in a seat, and you rocket forward into the other seat and break your jaw? Is that what he happened? He must have been leaning
1: forward, and he fainted and broke his jaw on the seat in front of him.
0: How does that work? I don't even believe it.
1: Well, the studio settled out of court for an undisclosed sum.
0: Jesus Christ. Listen
1: to this. Listen to this. During a 1984 reunion of the cast of The Exorcist on Good Morning America, Ellen Burstyn told a story of when she was in Tucson, Arizona, filming Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Yeah. And The Exorcist was opening in that city while she was there, so she went to see it.
0: Oh, my God. She's not like
1: Robert Redford, not going to see her movie. Yeah. And she stated that the scene where... where (laughs) This is great. This is so great. She stated that the scene where uh, Regan is her name Regan Regan has her ardiogram was the the part where most people fainted. That's the scene where, yeah, she where she's in the
0: hospital. And they
1: shoot it into her neck. Yeah, you know? yeah, there's so yeah. gruesome
0: medical most, procedures in that movie.
1: That, they said that's where most people fainted when that thing goes into her neck. After that scene, she's she saw a woman wobbling up the aisle. So <laughs> so Ellen Burson followed her. And when the woman finally fainted, Ellen Burstyn was at her age. She caught her. Oh, my God. And, and loosened her loosened her collars, trying to talk to her, to wake her up. And the woman began to come to. And, and looked
0: up and saw <laughs> Ellen Burstyn.
1: And Ellen Burstyn realized <laughs> that if this woman opens her eyes and sees her, she, she might panic even more because she, <laughs> she thinks she's in the movie. So so Ellen Burstyn. Her exact words were that she might think she was in the Twilight Zone or something so she asked for assistance from another person to help the woman recover and then she left.
0: Oh my god.
3: That That's, That's so great. <laughs> her own movie.
1: <laughs> uh, also Ellen Burstyn received a permanent spinal injury during yeah, filming. Yeah, I knew that. Yep. When she was thrown away from her possessed daughter a harness jerked her away from the bed and she fell on her coccyx. Oh, i my coccyx. Yeah, your coccyx really can't take a lot of damage. Um, And then the only other thing I had about this is the bedroom set was had to be refrigerated to capture the authentic icy breath of the actors in the exercising scenes. Uh, Oh, so
0: it was like real cold in there. Yeah,
1: and Linda Blair, who was in a film's flimsy nightgown, says to this day she cannot stand being cold.
0: Oh, I bet. I'm surprised. Yeah, they
1: refrigerated the whole set,
0: and and she was in that little. And she was a lot of times she was wet because of that pea soup and stuff. And yeah. God, the poor girl. Yeah. All the fake blood and everything. Yeah. That's I guess there was only that one scene where there's crime. lots of blood, but...
1: I, I don't know. That movie... I, I just... Yeah. Well, there was
0: another thing. You don't have the part about where they played it in Italy somewhere and lightning struck a clock tower or a church steeple. No. I didn't yeah, they, this. There's all kinds of crazy shit like that. Like, they played it, debuted it in Italy and there was a, sto- a lightning storm, and lightning struck the cross on a, on a church steeple during yeah. the movie.
1: I didn't hear about that.
0: And stuff like that. but have you ever heard any of those stories? Uh, I know
1: there were like weird things
2: associated with it, but I, had a, I don't know that one specifically. There's
0: like de- a couple people died. You know, there's a lot of murders and
1: things with it, there, I think like the whole
0: was... set burned down once or twice.
1: Yeah, and I, I didn't include it because I thought maybe we were going to cover it. There was a guy who was convicted of murder, right, that worked on it? Yeah, serial
0: killer is in it. He plays one of the hospital...
1: Yeah, he's like an extra or something yeah, in the background. I he mean, he, he has like a line,
0: a couple lines. Yeah. And, and, he... and he turned out to be a serial killer later. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, why didn't you cover that guy?
2: Yeah, he, uh, I think it's interesting that Max Fonsita, who played the exorcist, is like 35
0: in that movie. Oh, my God, I'm and... so old
2: the way they made him up is literally how he looks right
1: now yeah. yeah so they made him up perfectly yeah i wondered why how that was like
0: well he and he physic- he physicalized that part so well he was so um, he he seemed like an old man like frail and weak you know especially after they, when they start the exorcism mhm like it really made it look like he was like great right before what, he dies what
1: else was he in
2: uh, he was in Force Awakens in the very beginning. He was. Yeah, he's the old man who gives. Oh uh, yeah,
1: he's that old man. The beginning. Yeah. I don't know who that man was? I remember seeing Force Awakens. And like, who is that guy? So he's. The I think he's been guy. in a lot of stuff.
2: Yeah, That's he's a he in a lot of uh, Ingmar Bergman movies in Sweden. I'm pretty sure you guys saw all those, right?
1: Name oh, all. Name yeah, all. Yeah, right.
2: Uh, let's see. Seven Seal, Wild Strawberries. <laughs> God.
1: Oh, Lord. Okay. Let's, now, let's get to what we really brought Muppet here for, and it's this. The English Patient sucks. It's
0: this terrible movie. Hey, hey, hey.
1: <laughs> I am the only one on the
2: planet who still likes that movie. It was terrible.
1: I didn't, I didn't see it. It was awful. I tried to watch it several times. I just kept falling into a coma. I kept injuring myself. But that's
0: all the movies You, fell, 19... you fell into the chair in front of you? Yeah. Broke I your in, jaw? Yeah, I broke my jaw in the chair <laughs> in front
1: of me. But that's I think that's yeah that's all the movies of 1973 that we're going to talk about. Uh, so thanks for joining us, movie expert Mups. No problem. Thanks, fella. Do you have anything else to yeah. tell our listeners? Got anything to plug? Uh, no, I'm a loser.
0: I do just movies. Do you have any? What's your like favorite?
1: It. What's your current favorite beer right now?
2: Uh. Probably spiteful Alley Time.
1: What, oh. what kind of beer is that?
2: The pale ale from Chicago.
1: Okay. Sounds like, what, what sounds brewery? like a dream. Uh, Spifle. Oh, Spifle. You said that already. Spiteful. what is it? What's the beer name? Uh, Alley Time. Oh, Alley Time. Spiteful Alley Time. Okay. And uh, where's your favorite bar? Do you want to give a plug for your favorite bar?
2: Sure. Uh, Green Lady Chicago, Illinois. Sweet. Green Lady. Walking
0: I'm, Distance is uh, is Muppet's favorite bar. Uh, yeah. That's the name of Muppet's yeah, favorite yeah, pretty bar much. Walking Distance. On the north just, side of
2: Chicago. I just get a bunch of Schlitz and drink in the alley. That's right. Yep, that's good. Schlitz is delicious.
1: Okay, moving on to Saturday, August 18th, 1973. Diana Ross, mm-hmm. Touch Me in the Morning.
0: Not familiar with that one. You're not? I don't think so.
1: It was recorded in the early morning hours, as was her custom, after she began raising her children. In a Barbara Walters Mother's Day interview special, her second-oldest daughter, Tracy Ellis Ross, said Diana would put them to bed and record all night Jeez. in order to be able to get her children up and send them to school on time the next morning. Isn't that crazy? That's yeah. why I left that, because that was odd.
0: It's weird to think of... of like somebody like diana ross being a getting, parent yeah getting, getting her, her children ready in the morning and stuff like that's
1: yeah because why wouldn't she just have the and help nanny it? do you know it know what I mean? yeah. yeah um which maybe it maybe it was just important to her to uh, mm-hmm. uh make sure she was there for the kids or whatever i know you've heard this it's terrible is it i mean it's not my kind of music so maybe i've realized i need to stop saying things are terrible just because you not don't my... like them well some i will i'll still say it but It's just not my kind of music, so people that like this music might like it, but. Just want to listen to this. This picture being in the back of a station wagon. Yeah, I
0: know, right?
1: With my ruse.
0: In the way back where the carpet was.
1: Yep. With With like like shag
0: carpeting in the back of the station wagon. With like a winter
1: coat that has rainbow designs on it. And the zipper's stuck. Was, Gun, there's
0: gum mushed into the carpet on the way there. There.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you're wearing a stocking cap with a puffball on top That's right yeah, there's You must seat not have had heat
0: in your particular station wagon Because <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't remember being that bundled up well, in a I, live, station wagon. I
1: live in the north I'm from the north so yeah, that's Anyway, true. that's a stupid, shitty song Yeah, And it sucks Oh, but that's just not my kind of music I don't like ballads I've never liked
0: ballads I've never, yeah Well, we've been through that in the 80s It was Ballad City in the 80s. August 25th. It was a Saturday,
1: 1973. We got a new number one song on the Billboard charts. A song about an interracial love affair. Brother Louie. Okay. You would know this song as the theme song to Louie C.K.'s show.
0: Louie, 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 Louie. Louie, Louie, you're gonna die.
1: Louie Louie, Louie. Of course, now die. it's
0: kind of creepy. Louie
1: Louie. Yeah, I know. Now that he masturbated in front of a bunch of people and forced them to watch him masturbate, now this song yeah, is kinda, ruined. It's creepy. But the whole song is great. Like it really I didn't realize that was like a song that was already popular
0: mm-hmm. in the
1: past, but it was. Oh
0: yeah. And you didn't know that?
1: No. I'd I never, heard that, I'd never very, heard that song before.
0: I remember that song very vividly. You do?
1: Mm-hmm. Did you realize it was about an interracial love affair? No. Well, it is. I don't
0: think any but I, I didn't Think about the words. Like like our kids do that all the time. Where they're, they ask listen questions to the, about, about the words, the words yeah, to songs. They do. And, and all the words what? about twerking when, and when banging everybody. I, yeah, and when I was little they were singing about all kinds of dirty shit and I never even once questioned it. Yeah, we never like, thought Olivia about Newton it. Like Olivia Newton John yeah. who was my idol singing yeah. about Let's Get Physical. Yeah, she was talking about banging people. And boots. I would sit there and sing my heart out to that song and never once considered what she was talking well, about.
1: Well, she was also cleverly disguising it by doing the video of, of working out.
0: Yeah, So for kids,
1: it looked like that's all it was but now the videos aren't clever like that the, yeah. the videos now are people having butt sex yeah
0: i know right
1: <laughs> so it's like you never <laughs> it's,
0: there's it's no, a little bit of a problem there's
1: no thinly veiling anything no but anyway this brother this brother Louie song uh this version was actually redone by uh a band called america uh an american band called stories okay featuring singer ian Lloyd. yeah but their version is the one that made number one in the U.S. and sold a bunch of copies. But that's it. Louis, Louis, Louis,
3: Louis.
1: And then Saturday, September 1st, 1973. Mm-hmm. This is something you're definitely, you wouldn't have known. You're not going to have known this. Okay. Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves went to Juilliard to School together. Oh, wow. The Juilliard School. Yeah. They were two of 20 students that were accepted in the freshman class in 1973. It started in September. Wow. William Hurt and Mandy Patankin were other classmates in that class. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. Who would have known that? Um, And Robin Williams and Christopher Reeve remained close friends until Reeve's death in 2004. Reeve had struggled for years with being quadriplegic after his horse riding accident. Um, William's son, Zach, remembered their friendship as having been like brothers from another mother. Williams paid, Robin Williams paid many of Reeves' medical bills and gave financial support to his family.
3: Wow. Did you know that? No. I
1: didn't know that they even knew each other. Yeah,
3: that's crazy. Yeah,
1: so here you go. Rest in peace, Robin Williams and Christopher Reeves. Hopefully yep. they're together.
0: Together again.
1: Together again forever, sexually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have to ruin everything by saying stuff like that. Then September 8th, 1973, Marvin Gaye takes over the billboard number one spot.
0: Yes. Before he was murdered by his dad. This is
1: before he was murdered. He was still alive when he recorded this. He was alive and not mm-hmm. dead. Uh, but this song is uh, responsible for uh, Marvin Gaye. Healing. No, this is responsible for him. It's the most successful single for Motown and one of his most well-known songs. What's going on? With the help of this song's sexually explicit content, this song helped give Marvin Gaye a reputation as a sex icon during its initial popularity. Let's get it on.
0: Oh, let's get it on. Yeah. You know the, yeah,
1: beginning like the beginning of this is the beginning of this. and the best karaoke version of this is uh, Mr. Larry Caplow. Right. Uh, we have a friend named Larry who's a he's a tiny version of uh, Matthew Broderick mixed with John Stewart, and uh, and he does this song great. But but the beginning of the song that Yeah. it's like. I've been instantly, it's used in all pop culture media as sex is about Getting to ready happen. To like, sex. yeah. Any sexy yeah. moment, you just start with that song. That's right, but it's great. It's just like, yeah, Sex City. Yes. Let's get it on. How's that start? What's the first line he says? I've been All right, what's next? And then on Tuesday, September 18th, 1973, Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, Mm -hmm. future president, because he wasn't president yet,
0: Okay.
1: Jimmy Carter reported a UFO sighting.
0: He did? Yeah.
1: Yep. One evening in 1969, two years before this, he became governor of Georgia. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Carter was preparing to give a speech at a Lions Club meeting at about 7.15 Eastern time, One of the guests called his attention to a strange object that was visible about 30 degrees above the horizon to the west of where he was standing. Carter described the object as being bright white and as being about as bright as the moon. It was said to have appeared to have... pretty bright. Yeah, that's bright. It was said to have appeared to have closed in on where he was standing, but to have stopped beyond a stand of pine trees some distance from him. The object is then said to have changed color first to blue, then to red, then back to white before appearing to recede into the distance. Carter felt the object was self-illuminated and not solid in nature. His report indicated that it was witnessed by about 10 or 12 other people and was in view for 10 to 12 minutes before it passed out of sight.
0: Can you imagine experiencing that? I can't. That is crazy.
1: And this is Jimmy Carter. You can't say he's nuts.
0: I mean, I can't. No, I mean, he must have seen it, but can you just imagine that?
1: But he didn't report it until 1973. 1973, Carter said there were about 20 of us standing outside a little restaurant, I believe a high school lunchroom. That's a
0: terrible Jimmy Carter. And
1: a kind of green light appeared in the western sky, habitat for humanity. This was right after sundown. It got brighter and brighter, and then it eventually disappeared. It didn't have any solid. He doesn't solids... have a
0: twang. He's got a drawl. <laughs> What's
1: the difference? It didn't have any In solid. a drawl, they don't
0: say the ahs.
1: Oh. A drawl, they don't say the ahs? No, no. no. Drawl, I can't say And it. Anyway, it eventually disappeared. It didn't have any solid substance to it. It was just a very peculiar-looking light. None of us could understand what it was. Yep. That's crazy. Thursday, September 20th, 1973. We have an airplane celebrity death. Okay. Jim
0: Croce. Oh. I forgot that he died in an airplane. Yeah, he did. I forgot that. There's a lot of celebrities that die in airplanes. They if really you think do. About well, it. well,
1: if you think about it, they, they have to fly all over the place for shows. Yeah, that's and that's true. So I guess that's probably why. But, um, but there's always... I, you know, you tell me if this is one of these that is just creepy because it happened. You know, like, you mm-hmm. know how you, like, you look for clues of things to be yeah. creepy when things like this happen? Right. Um, some are just coincidence. But Jim Croce sent a letter to his wife before he died mm-hmm. where he talked about giving up his singing career to write short stories and movie scripts. Oh. The last words of his letter were, remember, it's the first 60 years that count and I've got 30 to go. I love you, Jim.
0: Wow. That's kind of weird.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's not super weird, I guess, but it's kind of weird. Like, whenever you look back on... Whenever somebody dies, I guess you look back on things they might have said.
0: But he was going to give up a singing career. Maybe somebody didn't want him to. But then why would they kill him? Yeah. I guess that doesn't make sense.
1: No. No. Just fate, I think. Um,
0: That's weird that he said that he had 30 more years to go.
1: Croce and five others died when their
0: chartered Beechcraft
1: E-18S crashed into a tree during takeoff from the... Natchitoches Regional Airport in Natchitoches, Louisiana. Okay. And An hour before, Croce had played a concert at Northwestern State University's Prather Coliseum. And Natchitoches, he was flying to Sherman, Texas for a concert at Austin College. Croce was 30 years old.
0: Wow, he was young.
1: An investiga- An investigation showed the plane crashed after clipping a pecan tree at the end of the runway. The pilot had failed. Why, you know, a pecan tree... They shouldn't have put it at the end at, of the at runway. At the end of the runway, no. Really, like, you know, where should I put this pecan tree? Oh, maybe at the end of the runway, the airport
0: runway? Yeah, that's probably not a good idea.
1: The pilot failed to gain sufficient altitude to clear the tree and not tried to avoid it, even though it was the only tree in the area. It was dark, but there was a clear sky, calm winds, and over five miles of visibility with haze. Hmm. The report from the NTSB named the probable cause as the pilot's failure to see the obstruction because of his physical impairment... Oh, was he drunk? the fall, reducing his vision. The 57-year-old Elliot suffered from severe coronary artery disease and had run three miles to the airport from a motel.
0: Oh. So So he he had a heart attack?
1: I guess he was having a heart attack or something. Hmm. Yeah, that sucks. That's interesting. Or Jim Croce. Yep. That guy had just eaten Cheerios more often and gotten regular exercise.
0: Maybe things would have been different. Yeah, Jim Jim Croce is dead. Because some guy... Like, died. Yeah. You know, I know you're right. a
1: big croachy fan.
0: Oh, I get stuff. Do you? That's not yeah, bad. It's
1: soft and sweet. Yeah. Kind of nice. and Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Just like you, babe. That's the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me.
0: <laughs> I take it back. Well, you take it back. <laughs>
1: so, and then Saturday, September 22nd, mm-hmm. 1973. Another fucking Helen Reddy song.
0: I am woman, him me roll. No, we did that oh. one already. Helen Reddy sucked.
1: Delta Dawn.
0: Oh, God, how does that go? Oh, I, it's, it's on the ter- tip of my oh, tongue. It's so shitty. Now you got to play it. Oh,
1: man, it's so awful.
0: Delta Dawn. No, that's Country Road. Delta Dawn, hear me roar. None of that's not right. It's
1: so awful.
0: I swear to God, we sang this in music class. In public school music class, it sounds terrible. It's like you yeah, remember of those when we were in in elementary school. Those textbooks that had yeah. music in them, uh-huh, and you use kinda. them in music class, and it was yeah. an actual textbook. And this, I swear to God, was in there. It we probably sang
1: it. was. I know we sang uh, "Leaving." Yeah, all on a just dead. like that. Yeah, we used to play. Um, Grandma's feather bed. Remember that one? Yeah, oh yeah. We didn't yeah. get much sleep, but we had a lot of fun. Uh, Grandma's feather bed. Yeah, we used to sing that all the time. We had our cool young teacher, music teacher that came in at elementary school. But uh, anyway, Delta Dawn, I didn't even do any research on that song because I just hate it. Sorry <laughs> everyone. Sorry Delta Dawn fans. I I don't like country music much. And maybe that's a little bit folk, a little bit country, but it's not good. Yeah. Luckily, on September 29th, 1973, Grand Funk knocked Helen Reddy the fuck off the charts. Oh. With a great song. Yeah. You know what song? Grand Funk. Do you know who Grand Funk is?
0: Yeah. Is it Grand Funk Railroad?
1: They were just Grand Funk in 1973.
0: Was it um we're an american band yes can you see that from here we're an american band and
1: this song man i gotta say this song still rocks like if you play it
0: party down we're in yeah it's
1: it's really good it was sung by the drummer don brewer who began doing more lead vocals for the band and helped with their transition to making top 40 hits his lyrics are somewhat autobiographical detailing the band's recent tour and their energetic live performances. In the song, he mentions playing poker with blues great Freddie King, traveling through Little Rock, Arkansas, as well as stopping to party with four groupies who snuck into their hotel in Omaha, Nebraska. The lyrics also mention Sweet Sweet Connie in in reference to the legendary groupie Hmm. uh, Connie. I forgot her last name. I haven't written down something. Oh, that's there good.
0: There was a legendary groupie
1: named Connie. <laughs> <laughs> She's legendary. Yeah. legendary. So legendary,
0: groupie. she only went by her first name, like Madonna.
1: Yeah, she slept with Neil Diamond, Paul Schaefer, Jimmy Page, John oh my Bonham, God. David Lee Roth, Alice Cooper, and Keith Moon. Uh, and they, they put her in their song? She claimed to have had sex with numerous rock musicians. Oh, oh Connie Hamsey. She also received some attention for her claim that she was propositioned by Bill Clinton, then governor of Arkansas. Like, she was one of the first people that came out and said Bill Clinton was trying to bang her.
0: And what was her name? Connie? Connie
1: Hamsey. It
0: sounds like Bonnie Lee Blakely.
1: And then she ran for House of Rep- She ran for a Senate or something, or
0: Congress. Jeez. Um, and what, what was her platform? <laughs> <laughs> I will have sex with so everybody in town. She said in 1984
1: she had been approached by an Arkansas state trooper on behalf of Bill Clinton. Okay. George Stephanopoulos later recounted that Clinton told him a different story of this meeting with Hamzy. According to Clinton, Hamzy had approached him in a hotel lobby, flipped down her bikini top, and asked him, What do you think of these? Jeez. Stephanopoulos secured affidavits from three people who had been accompanying Clinton and confirmed Clinton's recollection. When asked about Hamzy by reporters, Stephanopoulos responded by denying the story off the record and offering to provide the affidavits Affidavits also off the record. Okay. So yeah, so that's how she was. It <laughs> was with uh, Bill Clinton. That's the Bill Clinton part. Okay. Uh, Connie Hamsey. and then on October sixth, nineteen seventy three, Share takes over the Billboard charts. Mm. And this had some, a little bit of controversy. You know what song?
0: Was well, controversial one.
1: Late, much later, not in nineteen seventy three. It wasn't controversial, but
0: it was probably half breed. Somewhat
1: recent, half breed. Yeah, you remember? You knew that song?
0: I don't. I rem, I I don't know if I remember it from from then, but since then, I have um, heard about it and know about know of it and stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I don't remember listening to it as a kid. It's a
1: shitty song too. Of course, I'm not a Cher fan, but uh, if you look at, there's a video on YouTube, mm-hmm. and the video is from the Cher and Sunny show. Oh, it Happy is. Hour.
0: She sang half-breed during that?
1: Yeah, and she's sitting on a horse. Yeah, so she's sit, dressed up as a Native American stereotype. Yeah. And so she's just sitting there on a the horse the whole time. Like, <laughs> it's just so Weird. boring. But uh, it got a lot of controversy later on on Twitter, and Cher got in a big argument in a Twitter war with somebody who was saying that she was racist, and she's like, No, I'm not. I'm not racist. I'm, I love Native American people, and... Uh,
0: uh so she's not native american no
1: she's not she's
0: she's when i was little i remember thinking she was yeah
1: you would but even that's kind of the sheer barbie
0: doll that came out there was she had a native american outfit
1: yeah probably because of that song yeah and she didn't i think at the time she didn't dispel rumors that she was yeah she's armenian her family's armenian i think is what, what it was um wednesday october 10th 1973 yeah spiro t agnew resigned as U.S. vice president, and then in federal court in Baltimore pled no contest to income tax evasion. Boom. He was fined $10,000 and put on three years probation.
0: 1973 would come to be known as a major year in UFO sighting history.
1: Oh, because of Jimmy Carter? Because of Jimmy Carter.
0: Each time there is an increase in UFO activity, it's called a flap. Really? And 1973 is one of the most active flaps ever to be investigated.
1: You know... I'd like to investigate your active flaps. All
0: right. Never before had so many encounters <laughs> been reported. Shut up. Sorry. A recap of 1973 reads like a slow but progressive invasion of planet Earth. The first date really? is January 2nd, 1973.
1: Oh, that happens to be. I can't believe that's the first date because that actually is the day that uh, uh, a TV movie was on starring yeah. Alex Karras as the 500 pound jerk. An advertising man's what? dream of turning a huge hillbilly into a weightlifting champion is blocked when the hillbilly falls for a Russian gymnast.
0: Oh, that sounds awful. That was on TV, so
1: <laughs> that would make sense The aliens would come down. Like, what well, the hell are you watching?
0: On that date in Santa Ana, California, at least eight people reported seeing a large dome-shaped object hovering above the town. Witnesses reported that at times the craft hovered as low as 200 feet from the ground. The witnesses described the object as metallic gray in color. After hovering for several seconds, the object sped toward the southwest at terrific speed. January and February 1973, in Cherokee County, South Carolina, the police department received so many UFO reports that they stopped sending cars out to investigate. The sightings reported to police were in the hundreds. The objects described were cylindrical, cigar-shaped, square, or round with a dome on the top. I guess what
1: why would the police or like what are they going to do i know right seriously there's (laughs) an alien shit what am i going to do as a police officer i don't
0: have don't have the proper laser guns
1: i don't have a police helicopter if i do like what am i going to do like go up yeah i don't know what are you gonna what can you do they're aliens
0: during february in wood river junction rhode island week the week after week after week residents reported seeing a huge bright white light moving slowly above the community more than 250 people reported seeing the object the object was said to be almost half the size of a house and hovered soundlessly over the treetops. That's a lot of the reports that they say they don't make any sound at all. And they're
1: big as a house. That's like that one we talked about in a previous episode that was just yeah. the size of a house and it was quiet, not making And sense.
0: it's like and and like that's part of what would make it so eerie. I think if if you saw something, especially if it was only 200 feet off the ground, almost more and, eerie. and it was completely silent.
1: Yeah. If it was if it was going like. Yeah. That right. would be at least something. Know, but it if makes it's sense. like
0: completely silent. In, but it's just this. How eerie is that? Yeah, right? like, do I really see this? Is mm-hmm. this really happening? That's right. Um, then on March 1st, 1973. Yeah. In Sailors Lake, Pennsylvania. There were 42 objects with flashing lights observed by witnesses during a three-hour period.
1: Forty-two?
0: Yes. A dozen witnesses, including a state trooper, saw the objects moving over the lake.
1: Did that state trooper have a mustache?
0: I bet he did. Yeah, he I did. bet you did. April 6th. Oh, April 6th,
1: 1973. Oh, when the Brian Keith show was on? Yep. Uh, Brian Keith starred in this show in its first season, Father and Daughter Pediatricians. Who the hell
0: is Brian Keith (laughs) and why do we care? Some
1: heavy guy that had his own show. Dr. Sean Jameson and Dr. Ann Jameson run a free clinic in Oahu, Hawaii. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And that's what it's about.
0: In, in that date, in Elsinore, Missouri, a domed disc-shaped object with portals and a landing gear lands in the woods about three miles west of the city. What? Three holes in the ground arranged in a triangular pattern were found at the site, along with some damaged foliage.
1: Foliage? Foliage. Are you, are you familiar with that city?
0: No. I don't know where that You're is. You're from Missouri. I know, but I don't know where Elsinore is.
1: you got to represent.
0: A- April 10th. Oh, my gosh. These keep happening. April 10th? Yep. Now, you
1: can't tell me there was an alien the same time that... The same day that Carol Burnett, Betty White, and Rod Serling were all on Password All-Stars,
0: can you? Oh, my God. That's a battle of the network stars right there. (laughs) There It is right there. Uh, On April 10th in Stockard County, Missouri, sheriffs and others reported three objects over Bernie and Dexter. The objects changed color from red to white to blue, wait, wait. starting and stopping in the sky. So that's what George. That's that's what, what Jimmy, Jimmy Carter, Carter said. Jimmy Carter said, said the same thing. That's what you told me. I couldn't believe it. So I was you blowing your that. mind when I you said did. that because
1: you already done the But I didn't research. want to give
0: it away. Say that story again at so, o-
1: over Bernie and Dexter. What's Bernie and Dexter? Those are
0: towns in Stockard oh, County, those Missouri. Those are two towns. Yeah. I was like, who's Bernie? Who's Bernie this? and Dexter? I guess yeah. that's true. The objects changed in color from red to white to blue, starting and stopping in the sky. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? Jimmy Carter ain't
1: fucking around.
0: And then on May 12th.
1: On May 12th, the day that Mackenzie Aston was born. Oh my Patty God. Duke and John Aston was probably holding her hand. Patty Duke and John Aston had a baby. Oh, okay. And that baby would later be on Facts of Life. She was giving birth as an who, alien.
0: Who'd she play on Facts of Life?
1: No, Mackenzie Aston was on Facts of Life. As who? The little boy. That, remember when they added. You know how oh, sitcoms. Jesus, no. When, sitcoms I don't got watch crappy, them when they do that. They add a kid. I don't want to know. He was like the boy that they added with George Clooney. Why would Clooney. they add a
0: boy? They had That's a, so dumb.
1: A cute boy to get ratings.
0: It's the stupidest thing ever. And then ever. George Clooney was on So it. on that day, on May 12th, near Kent, Ohio, a witness oh. was driving west near Kent and saw a group of flashing lights above his car. He stopped and the object stopped. He described a football-shaped object that changed colors in a pattern from red to white to blue. Holy shit. Yep. Uh, he saw a figure materialize, humanoid in shape, approximately 10 feet below the object. The figure rapidly descended and seemed to look at the witness. After about 30 seconds, the figure then ascended. The figure was silver in color, lacking hair, eyes, and ears.
1: Not even eyes? Just yeah. A, just a nose? I guess. Not a mouth?
0: Yeah, I guess. On June 2nd... Oh, God. More
1: stuff? Yeah. June 2nd, 1973. It was a Saturday. Uh, and Larry Hagman and Diane Baker were starring on a show called Here We Go Again. Uh, this show, uh, comedic problems ensue when a newlywed couple moves into a home located very close to the homes of their former spouses.
0: Oh, Remember
1: okay. that show, Here We Go nope. Again? Nope. Larry um, Hagman and Diane Baker, y'all.
0: On June 2nd in DeVernon, Illinois. DeVernon. A UFO with bright running lights was seen. A large orange light was turned on directly below the UFO, lighting the landscape. A witness was awakened when the dog barked. The craft was described as football-shaped and about the size of a car. Huh. From August to October, there was a flurry of sightings witnesses, witnesses by, witnessed by police and citizens. One of the most famous cases was the Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker abduction. Charles Hickson, the chief claimant in the Pasigula, Mississippi, UFO abduction case.
1: Pasigula.
0: This is the story. of. This when
1: did that story. happen?
0: The, he died of a heart attack on September 9, 2011 at the age of 80. Until his death, he maintained the truth of his alien encounter, part of the UFO flap of 1973. Flap. It has remained... After the Benny and Barty Hill case of 1961, the second most famous UFO abduction case in history, according to UFO historians.
1: Really? Even even more famous than the Fire in the Sky one? That's what
0: they, that's what they say. Huh. October 11th, 1973.
1: Oh, the same day Kung Fu was on with David Carradine. I used to watch that. You did?
0: Yeah, I know. It was you on, watched it was Kung on, Fu with we, David Carradine? It was on one of the five channels. It was on real late at night.
1: Well, on this episode, Cain promised a dying priest who stole a golden chalice that he will recover it from three murdering bandits, so his soul will be saved.
0: Okay, so this is um, um, sorry.
1: I accept. This is I accept Charles
0: Hickson. Um, Charles Hickson's account of the abduction
1: on October eleventh. Mm-hmm,
0: eleventh quote. Calvin was working for me at Walter's, Walker's Shipyard and doing a dadgum good job. Dadgum it. Calvin and his brother had sort of grown up with my oldest boy, Eddie. Some evenings Eddie. after work, we'd go fishing. Oh, we got sense. off at about 4 o'clock that day and came by my house to get the fishing tackle. Do
1: they do any kissing while they're fishing, like they on might. Ozark?
0: Then we went and got some shrimp for bait. We tried several places and hadn't caught anything. I now, said, the, Calvin, there's one more place I want to try. If they don't bite there, we'll give up and go on home.
1: Okay. I was gonna say it'd be difficult to use shrimp for bait without wanting to eat that delicious shrimp.
0: Yeah. So we went down toward Ingalls and started fishing off a pier. We sat there for a little while, and I finally got a bite. I was reeling in, starting. I re- was reeling in and started hearing this hissing sound, like steam coming out of a pipe. I looked around, and it just startled me. Something was hovering two or three feet. Stop it. I was
1: adding to something. Something was sorry. hovering
0: two or three feet above the ground, probably no more than ten or fifteen yards from us. There were two blue flashing lights on the top part of the end that was toward us. I couldn't tell if it was round or oblong. I could see a little dome on top, but I couldn't see all the way around the thing, so I couldn't tell for sure how big it was. I jumped to my feet, looked over at Calvin, and he looked plumb strange. Then a door opened and this brilliant light came out of it. I couldn't figure what was in the world was happening. I'd known fear. I fought 20 months in hand-to-hand combat in Korea. The only thing I'm scared of is a snake I'll run from a snake but this wasn't normal
1: all
0: of a sudden these three things began coming out of the door they looked like they had elephant skin wrinkled real wrinkled and triangles triangle shaped ears that had to be some sort of antennas these things were robots they seemed to come right out of the beam of light they never touched the ground they moved right out there beside me and Calvin I couldn't move and neither could he Two of them came around behind me, took me under each arm. When they grabbed me, I seemed to rise it to their height. They weren't as tall as me, but they sort of had me in a leaning position. One took hold of Calvin, and I saw him go limp. He told me later he had fainted. They told us they took us through the doorway in the middle of a room, and I could see, couldn't see Calvin anymore. There was nothing in there, just a real bright glow. I couldn't move anything but my eyes. They let go of me. I still wasn't touching nothing, just kind of floating. All I could think was... What are they going to do with us? Anal I probe, they take probe. us off and we'd never see our families again.
1: And an anal probe. I
0: didn't see the robots for a while. Then an eyeball about the size of a football came out of the wall. It moved right in front of my face. I saw dials and gadgets moving around. It went behind me, then came back over me. Then it disappeared back into the wall.
1: What? That's, that's messed up. Where's the anal probe start?
0: Well, I was just about out of my mind. I thought they were going to kill me. Folks would think. We fell off in the in the river and drowned, and nobody would ever know about this. It seemed like a long time, but I, it couldn't have been more than a few minutes. The robots came and carried me back outside. They didn't throw me down. They eased me down, and when they did, I fell to the ground. My legs were real weak. I saw Calvin standing there staring out at the water. He was in shock. I've seen men in shock, and if you don't do something pretty quick, they'll die. I started going over to where he was, and I saw the craft leave. The They're, blue lights were on again. I remember that.
1: Like maybe an anal probe will help him.
0: When I got to Calvin, I had to slap him a time or two. I finally got to him where he and, could and say only something. Problem. He said, "Charlie, what in the world was that?" I said, "Son, I don't know, but they didn't kill us." Although the UFO reported by the men had apparently not been seen, so this is this is the story again. Okay. Um, had had apparently not been seen by people on the heavily traveled nearby highway. There had been other UFO sightings in the area, including on the night in question. Several people later reported strange lights in the Gulf Coast sky just after sunset on October 11th about the time Hickson and then 19-year-old Calvin Parker said they were abducted.
1: All right. I believe in this now.
0: Mike Cantaldo, a retired Navy chief petty officer now living in... Who cares where he lives? Mike Cantaldo. Says he saw a very strange object on the horizon late that afternoon.
1: Well, our listeners might want to track him down, so we should say where he lives.
0: Puddin Brodus, a Pasigula detective back then... Wait a second. (laughs)
1: You can't just <laughs> brush over that. There's a Pasigula <laughs> detective named Puddin? Yep. Puddin Brodus? Puddin,
0: yep. Brodus is Puddin the last Puddin Brodus.
1: One? You know, Calvin Brodus is Snoop Dogg. Oh, he is. So maybe, maybe they're related. Maybe he's got a cousin named He Puddin. told
0: me he saw something streak through the air, said Glenn Ryder, a former captain with Jackson County Sheriff's Department, who was the first to interrogate Hickson and Parker. Puddin. Puddin's dead now, but he was a fine man. He wouldn't make up something like that. A guard at the shipbuilding place saw another guy was in his backyard, and he saw something streak above his house. When we studied, all those reports were in a straight line. And I'll tell you this. After talking with Hickson and Parker that night, I'm convinced they had some kind of experience. I don't know exactly what, but something happened to them. They were both shook up, especially that boy. As they drove away in Parker's Plymouth, Hickson and Parker agreed not to tell anyone about the incident. I know people would call us crazy and everything else, Hickson says. But I thought about it some more and said, what if it's a threat to our country? That's when I decided to call the Air Force Base in Biloxi.
1: Just to let them know. But and the crazy thing is they did. They must not have started the anal probes until later. Yeah, in the not 80s. yet.
0: The person who answered the phone at, at the Air Force Base said they didn't investigate UFOs and suggested Hickson call the Sheriff's Department. That's when Hickson spoke with Glenn Ryder from a convenience store payphone. He said, I want to tell you something, but you've got to promise not to laugh, recalls Ryder, now 63 and retired. I was about to get off work, so it's kind of aggregate, big, aggravated me. And I said, if you want to tell me something, then tell me. He asked me again to promise not to laugh, so I promised. He said, I just got picked up by a UFO. And, of course, I burst out laughing. He got real upset, <laughs> so <if> I apologized <laughs> and told him to go ahead with his story. I could tell he was serious. Ryder convinced Hickson and Parker to drive to the sheriff's office. He called Jackson County Sheriff Fred Diamond, now deceased, to join him for questioning. So um, they get in there, and they, they go in for questioning, and... Um,
1: did he smell like rum?
0: No, but he says, Charlie says, right when they walked in, Charlie said, I just want to tell you up front, I've had a drink. I had oh, to do no. something to try to settle my nerves. Yeah, you know. The young boy was real fidgety. He was about to crawl the walls. Hickson and Parker told the officers what had happened. Ryder says it was a struggle to keep a straight face. Then he and Diamond plotted to find out the truth. We kept a tape recorder on the top drawer of the desk, Ryder says. It was a small office, so it would pick up everything said in there. We let them go to the bathroom and decided to turn the recorder on, then leave them alone for a while. We did that, and when we listened to the tape later, we expected to hear them saying, boy, we sure fooled them or something like that, but they didn't. And you can Ooh. hear this recording on the online. Yeah, you can? Of the two of them talking after they leave, and they're very, oh. very freaked out. What
1: do you Google to find that?
0: Um, I guess it would be uh, what Hickson. I keep forgetting their their full names. Charles Hickson and Calvin Parker. Puddin. Abduction.
1: Don't 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 Google pudden.
0: Or Passagula UFO incident is Pasagula
1: another. Passagula UFO incident recording maybe. and Yeah. To listen to that. Yeah. Because I definitely want to listen to that, and that that's what convinces me kind of more than anything is that they they recorded them while they weren't they didn't think they were being recording and they didn't say anything. Uh, yeah. But you know the famous Simpsons episode where the alien is there and he abducts somebody. And then they just sh- spray rum all over them. Yeah. The aliens spray yeah, rum they, all over them afterwards, so, so nobody will believe them.
0: Yeah. So they they went to they ended up getting like interrogated at the air force base. They got medical examinations to. Make, now they got the anal probes. And yeah, probably. And they, everybody that interviewed them believed them. As long as
1: there's anal probes in there somewhere, then I'll believe
0: it. He, they, Hickson even went to um, and undergo hy- hypnosis because, of course, you did back then. Yeah. Um. And his story was basically the same during each session. He said, under deep hypnosis once, I discovered something that still gives me chills. There were people on that spaceship, living beings in another compartment. They never came in there when, where we were. And I'm telling you, they looked almost like us. Really? Only thing I can figure is that they couldn't live in our atmosphere, so they let the robots come out there and carry us inside. And, and then he said, in, on Mother's Day, May 1974, Hickson was riding back from a family get-together in Jones County with his wife, their son and daughter... And the man she was, the daughter was married to at the time. It was almost midnight, Hickson says, and I kept noticing a light back behind us. I nudged Sheila, who was sitting on the front seat beside me, and said, look out the window and see if that light ain't following us. Sheila, look out that window, Sheila. She looked out the window and just froze. Blanche saw it and started screaming. Seconds later, a saucer-shaped craft was hovering 150 feet above and to the right of their car. I saw it with my own eyes, said Sheila, who was 18 at the time. Mama was so scared, she was screaming. It was a terrifying thing to see, Blanche Hick- Hickson says. It affected me bad, tore me up. We stopped the car, and Charles wanted to get out, but I wouldn't let it, and we were all grabbing him and holding him. It hovered there a while, then just disappeared. Charles Hickson, who's 1983, he did a book, says it, this, that wasn't the first sighting he's had since the initial encounter. While squirrel, squirrel hunting in February 1974, Again. he knelt down beside a tree to eat a, a sandwich. Through the brush, he says, Was it part a squirrel of a sandwich? Visible, suddenly, he heard a voice. It was like a radio signal or something inside my head, he says. They said, Tell people we mean you no harm. You have endured. You have been chosen. There's no need for fear. Your world needs help. We will help before it is too late. You are not prepared to understand. We will return again soon.
1: Oh, man, I believe this. 100%. He,
0: he says that the same voice came to him a month later, and he says that all his fear has left him. He says he wants to go to that world, whatever it is they came from, he says. I don't think they'd carry me if they couldn't bring me back. And if they ever decide to destroy this world, they might save a few of the people. I'd like to think I'm one of those. <laughs> so <laughs> he just doesn't want to be burned up with everybody. Yeah. Um, so he, he requested and passed a lie detector test. Um, Parker suffered a breakdown and was briefly hospitalized. As you would. And then well, both men admitted to further contact since and no longer yeah. had any fear of the beings. So that's the story of the Pasagula uh, UFO incident and the general 1973
1: UFO flap. The flap. How do you spell Passagula?
0: P A S A G O U L A.
1: Okay, good. Because I was gonna Google it, but I I don't know. I wouldn't get it spelled right on the first yeah. try. You know what? <coughs> I believe all of it. Yeah. I think that. I believe it. Yeah. I, where are they now? <laughs> no kidding. If our planet needs them so bad, like, God dang it, where the hell are the Planet needs you more than ever now. God dang aliens, where are they? Help us. Something crazy is happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, really? Aliens. We're going to do some major damage soon. Friggin'
1: aliens, hurry up. Help us out.
0: What's What's next, babe? Uh,
1: You think the aliens are responsible for that? That fast food item that's like a, it's a hot dog, but the bun is made out of chicken.
0: That's disgusting. Have <laughs> you heard of that? No, only humans could come up with that. Yeah, trust it's, me. it's
1: called the... I can't remember what it's called, but it's like yeah, the ch- it's like chicken with a hot dog that's in it. That's
0: the <laughs> worst thing I've ever heard. <laughs> only crazy. humans come up with it's that.
1: It's delicious. It's a double down dog, I think. Is
0: what
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think the aliens what are responsible. What
0: restaurant establishment has that item? Uh, I want to say... Probably Kentucky Fried Chicken.
1: Yeah, I want to say KFC or Arby's or something. Or Why would you eat those, that? Or Popeye's Chicken or something.
0: Why would you want to eat that?
1: Oh, it's delicious looking. Oh, that's Because who needs bread when you can have chicken as the bread? Fried chicken. Fried chicken. That's the bun. That
0: is so ridiculous. Yeah.
1: October 20th, 1973, the Rolling Stones take over the Billboard number one spot
0: with, with. NJ. Jay. Oh, I don't like that one. Was well, a ballad, so I guess it's not a surprise.
1: Yeah, it was a ballad, but I, out of all ballads I think I like this one. But this was a spec there was speculation that this song was about David Bowie's first wife, Angela.
0: Oh. Uh Did th- they have a th- well I know David Bowie and Mick Jagger, I think, had some gay loving going on. Yeah, they
1: did bang each other yeah. in the butt and they sixty nine it while standing up and doing curtain. No, roles. they did not. October 27th, 1973, Gladys Knight and the Pimps. Yes. Not the Pimps. The The Pimps. Midnight Train to Georgia.
0: That's a good song.
1: This is a great song, but I did some research and I found some interesting stuff out about this song that I had no idea.
0: All right. Hit it. Sakatumi. So this is
1: uh, Gladys Knight's signature song. Yeah. But this was originally written and performed by Jim Weatherly under the title Midnight Plane to Houston. Oh geez! So it wasn't midnight train to Georgia; it was the midnight plane to Houston, which he recorded. That
0: doesn't even sound good.
1: Yeah, it's stupid, but it was based on a conversation a conversation he had. Yeah. With.
0: Yeah. Farrah Fawcett. What? Yep. Boy, it all—it's like just one incestuous pool of, out there in Hollywood, isn't,
1: isn't it? Crazy. He had a phone conversation with Farrah Fawcett, and he used Fawcett and his friend Lee Majors who she just started dating as mm-hmm. like kind of characters of the song. And uh yeah, he said that uh yeah, she she said, "Oh yeah, I got to take a I got to take a midnight plane to Houston." Uh, on the phone, like she was talking on the phone and that he got off the phone and wrote that song. Really? And then it eventually get involved in a midnight train to Georgia. Thursday, November first nineteen 1973, Randy Macho Man Savage debuted oh my God. in wrestling. As the Spider. He wasn't Macho Man. and he wasn't The Spider. Sad. He was called the Spider. But he debuted, a lot of people don't know this, but he debuted in wrestling mm-hmm. during the off-season of another sport that he played.
0: Oh, football?
1: He was still playing, oh, baseball. Remember I told you he was a Cincinnati Oh, baseball? that's right. So he was, at this time, he was in Sarasota, I believe, or he was on a... Oh, I looked all this up, and I didn't write it all down. Oh, was, thank God you didn't anyway, write it down. He was in the minor leagues for a team. We have to listen team, through it. A team, the, uh, the... Who cares? Bats or something. No, what is the team? He was... Anyway, he was playing minor league baseball, and one of us... And you can find his stats on the 73 and 74. That's the off-season between the 73 and 74 season. He made his debut as the Spider. Um, and this is before he had quit wrestling. It was... Uh, paw Tucket. i don't know some team in florida he was on a, all right uh, next team. yep so randy savage wrestling we talked about wrestling randy next savage, spider a lot of people don't know that also on that same day maud was on okay <laughs> uh, and maud gives walter an electric organ as an anniversary gift unfortunately he plays it all the time and has no musical talent and did you know, electric organs. Do you know who played her husband on Maud? No. The same guy from The Jerk who says, Check away, Nathan R. Johnson. He's checking his oil and yeah. he invents the Optigrab for yeah. him. Because yeah, I damn remember. Damn these glasses, son. Yeah. Okay. I damn thee. And he invents the opti grab. That's right. That, that's her husband in that show. So on November 10th, 1973, Eddie Kendricks takes over the Billboard charts with Keep On Truckin'. <laughs> you know that song?
0: Mm, I know that. I know your that lingo. Rain. I know I'm that trucking. saying
1: for your love through sleep. I just picture snow, that
0: I just picture that guy with his big foot coming forward. Keep on, Keep on trucking. trucking.
1: Yeah, it became a big thing. Yep. Uh Eddie Kendricks was 2 years deep into a solo career following his bitter split from The Temptations in 1971. When his former bandmates went on to record hit such a Superstar, remember how he got where You Are, which was a reported jab at Kendrick's and fellow ex-Temptation David Ruffin. And he included a jab at his former bandmates with the lyrics, In old temptations rain I'm duckin', For your love through sleet or snow I'm truckin'. Okay. Keep on trucking. And then Saturday, November 17, 1973, Richard Nixon gave his famous I Am Not a Crook speech. I am not a crook. I am not a crook. I have earned every cent. In all of the years of my public life, I've never obstructed justice. People have got to know whether or not their president is a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I have earned everything I've got.
0: That's pretty good, babe. Yeah, you like that? that was a pretty good impression there.
1: If this one goes down, they have to impeach me. Tuesday, November 20th, 1973. Mm-hmm. After the drummer of The Who Yeah. <clears throat> passed out during a live performance in 1973, Mm-hmm. The lead singer asked if anyone could fill in.
0: Oh, my God. At a concert.
1: Can anybody, play, can anybody play drums?
0: Oh, my God. A
1: 19-year-old Scott Halpin stepped up to the plate. They invited him on stage, and he finished the remaining three songs.
0: Oh, my God. That's funny.
1: Halpin, who had recently moved to the area from Muscatine, Iowa, was there with a friend using tickets they had bought from a
0: scalper. Oh!
1: They arrived at the show 13 hours early to get good seats.
0: Boy, that paid off, didn't it?
1: Yep. The Who opened the show with three of their earlier hits before launching into material from Quadrophenia, playing 11 of the album's 17 songs, and then continuing on to other hits. About 70 minutes into the show, drummer Keith Moon...
0: 70 minutes in?
1: 70 minutes God. into the show, drummer Keith Moon, who banged that Connie that we talking about earlier, yeah. Connie, whose fondness for drugs and alcohol was legendary, began to falter during Won't Get Fooled Again. And he slumped over his drum kit and was helped off by roadies, while the others finished the song without him. Backstage, Moon was placed in a shower by roadies in an attempt to revive him. Jeez. Their efforts worked. An injection, of course, got him back on stage after approximately a 30-minute delay.
0: Jeez. So during that 30 minutes the, is when this... At
1: this time, Halpin and his friend were at left of the stage and his friend Mike Denise began noisily telling the security staff, he can play! In truth, Halpin had not played in a year, but Denise made enough commotion that he had attracted the concert's promoter, Bill Graham. And he says, Graham just looked at me and said, can you do it? And I said, yes, straight out. Townsend and Daltrey look around, and they're as surprised as I am because Graham put me up there. Halpin was given a shot of brandy for his nerves before sitting on his first drum set since leaving Iowa. And to, or, then I got really focused, and Townsend said to me, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to cue you. Townsend shook his hand as he sat down. Daltrey introduced Halpin as Scott and went straight into the riff of Smokestack Lightning.
0: So then after 30 minutes, they put Keith Moon back out there? Yeah,
1: he came back out there. Uh, afterwards, Scott was taken backstage along with his friend Mike and given a Who concert jacket, which Halpin said was stolen later that evening. Despite Moon's oh, collapse, what a bummer. the concert lasted around the same length as most Who gigs at the time.
0: Oh, wow. How crazy a story is it, that? that is a crazy story, 1973, babe. baby. 1973,
1: mm-hmm. baby. And then November f- 24th, 1973, Ringo Starr takes over the Billboard charts with Photograph. He and George Harrison began writing, wrote it together. They began writing it on a luxury yacht in the south of France in May 1971.
0: Starr star had hired a yacht. Yeah, I know it. Now it sounds familiar. Yeah. A it's a photograph. photograph.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I guess you would know it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, you, it's easily forgotten.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we're in December. The Carpenters take over mm-hmm. with Top of the World.
0: On the top of the world, looking down on creation and the only explanation I can find. That's another one that you was got in a good my. voice, babe. That's the other one that was in my music um, class. Music like class. Your elementary book. school. Yeah, yeah, elementary school textbooks. That sounds, yeah,
1: that sounds like something you have, not was. That yeah. was in there. They uh, originally intended to only be an album cut. However, the country singer Lynn Anderson covered the song, and it became a number two hit in the country charts. So then they reconsidered and then released it themselves. Folk songs are always better if you're really high on weed. December fifteenth, nineteen seventy-three, <laughs> Charlie Rich took over the Billboard charts with "The Most Beautiful Girl." But it uh, so Country Politan is a different kind of Nashville sound.
0: Country Politan. The most beautiful, beautiful girl in the world. world. <laughs> so 70s. <laughs> so 70s. So 70s. Sweet. Anyway, it's garbage. Yeah. I hate country music. I know, but that's so 70s, that song.
1: Yeah, that's pretty 70s sounding. Monday, December 19th. Johnny Carson joked about there being a toilet paper shortage on The Tonight Show.
0: Oh, boy. And And then everybody freaked out.
1: People did not realize it was a joke, and they panicked, and they bought as much toilet paper as they could, which actually caused a toilet paper shortage. Oh, man. But Johnny Carson went on the air several nights later and explained that there was no shortage and apologized for scaring the public. Unfortunately, people saw all the empty shelves in the stores, so the stampede continued.
0: (laughs) Jeez. Stampede. I loved. I, I like to picture a stampede for toilet paper. I gotta
2: wipe my ass. You
0: know, <laughs> people I gotta are just wipe
2: being, my ass. People are just
0: being trampled. I got diarrhea. I need toilet paper.
1: My favorite name for toilet paper is shit tickets.
0: I know you. I know what it is. And
1: then December 29th, nineteen seventy three, the final number one song of nineteen seventy three is Jim Croce. Time in a bottle.
0: If I could save time in a bottle, the first thing that I'd like to do. do, do this is sad. Do, do, do. Yeah.
1: Jim Croce wrote the lyrics. After it's sad because
0: he died, he's dead and yeah. he sings about there never seems to be enough time Not only that, to do the things we You're right. To. He says
1: that, but he wrote the lyrics after his wife Ingrid told him she was pregnant Aww. in December 1970. Aww. And it appeared on his 1972 ABC album, You Don't Mess Around With Jim. ABC originally did not intend to release the song as a single, but when Croce was killed in a plane crash in September 1973, the song's lyrics dealing with mortality and the wish to have more time
0: had additional resonance. Yes, it does.
1: The song subsequently received a large amount of airplay as an album track, and demand for a single release built. Wow, that's sad. It makes that song way more sad. Way more sad. Yeah,
0: I mean, it's a beautiful song.
1: On that note. We have to kick Chuck Berry the hell out of here.
0: You don't want me to do toys? I guess it's kind of late for toys. Oh. There wasn't a lot that was...
1: Do you have a couple highlights?
0: Silly Putty was a big one. Stretch yeah. was like tacky and bounces like rubber.
1: And you remember you could like stick it to the newspaper. Yes, was that like was the only thing that was good it. for. It wasn't really good for anything else. And then
0: the Zip Fit Skates for Shoes. Indoor and outdoor skates with the adjustable leather strap. Push-pull adjustable frame. Remember these? <laughs> Rubber wheels work outside and easier on floors. Toe pieces with foam rubber to hold tight even works well with sneakers. What are these? They're, they um.
1: Oh, you tied. The roller skates yeah. you put Roll, on your tennis <laughs> shoes. Yeah, <laughs> roller skates this? you tied to your shoes. Yeah, I had those. And they're, and they're adjustable. They, like, you yep. can make them longer
0: or shorter. The big metal ones, we yep. had those. They, oh, were, wait, they were such dangerous yeah, toys.
1: Yeah, I hurt myself every single time.
0: Yep, yeah, me too.
1: And I was thinking the Silly Putty. is good for putting your penis into it. Just, I'm, just, I'm leaving now. <laughs> I just ruined the podcast. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Jesus. Get out of here, Chuck <laughs> Berry. Get your dick out of the silly putty.
0: Yep. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. We'll see you next Take episode. Take it away, Matt Truman. This is
1: episode 32. I the
0: album. In timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more information, go to Queen City